Welcome to Courage and Spice. This is the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'll share evidence-based resources and teach you proven coaching tools to help you transcend your self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick, a master coach and founder of the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Well, hello guys and gals and non-binary pals. I hope you've had a good week. I am kind of excited about this episode because it's part two of this small series I've put together. I highly recommend going back to listen to part one if you haven't already. That's episode 63 and in that I'm sharing a new coaching model that I've developed. It's called the Four Faces of the Protector. And last week, we met them, the critic, the martyr, the scapegoat, and the bystander. These are characterizations of the four faces, the four styles of the inner drama that our self-doubt creates. So these are the tactics and approaches that our self-doubt has found are the most effective in holding us back. And at the end of the last episode, I invited you to notice just how this all plays out over the week. Like, what did you notice about your thoughts and feelings when self-doubt was present? What do you believe your protector was worried about? Did you get a sense of what kind of tactics your self-doubt was using? Hopefully, this has given you some insight into the face that your protective self-doubt tends to wear, the kind of inner drama that shows up for you. And remember, there's four styles. So with the critic, that drama is all about overworking because nothing is good enough. And that's because the critic believes, if I'm perfect, I won't be criticized or judged. With the martyr, the protection's all about overgiving and putting everyone else first because the martyr believes that this will protect it from being abandoned. The scapegoat is all about being overwhelmed, so it's going to tell you everything's too hard, too complicated, there's nothing you can do. Because if you don't try, you can't be held responsible. And the bystander is going to convince you that you don't know enough and you have to wait. And you're going to wait for a sign from the universe or for the conditions to be perfect or for you to feel ready. Because if you wait, you won't fail. And that's how the bystander protects you. Now, what you might notice is that the critic and the martyr kind of share a way of working in that they tend to encourage us to over-function. They work really hard at protecting themselves. They're doing stuff. So the martyr and the critic both have a sort of mantra that if in doubt, do something. Whereas the scapegoat and the bystander tend to be characterized by underfunctioning. So for them, safety is a kind of nobody move, nobody gets hurt. So they're telling us if in doubt, do nothing. Remember, this is all about just creating a sense of drama within you, a discomfort. It's meant to feel very real and very valid. It's meant to absorb your attention and hold you back, keep you safe. Now, these tactics are just what works, right? Based on your personality, your constitution, your blueprint for how you've learned to belong and your life experiences, 
right? This is how your self-doubt has found is the best way to keep you safe by holding you back. So you may find that different protector types show up in different parts of your life. In this episode, what we want to do is begin to experiment with interrupting these patterns because as you start to get to know these ways that your self-doubt holds you back, you start to see that actually they're not always valid and even if they are, they're often outdated, inherited or just manageable risks that our self-doubt is trying to protect us from. So this episode is all about turning this knowledge of the kind of self-doubt that you most experience into a series of experiments that you can try out to start to unhook from this pattern of how your self-doubt holds you back. I'm so excited to share this with you. I think this is going to, for some of you, be the thing that makes a real shift in your relationship with your self-doubt. So what we're going to do is go through the four different faces of the protector and I'm going to share with you the kinds of things you want to experiment with and some examples of how that can look. So let's start with the critic. Now the critic protector is obsessed with things not being good enough and tells us that we need to do more or do it better to be safe. So We want to experiment with embracing compassion and imperfection, right? So notice the critic is alongside the martyr, all about over-functioning. It's all about doing. So what we want to experiment with is who are you being? So the kinds of ways that I would recommend you experiment with the critic is to go on a kind of compassion diet, right? So experiment with speaking to yourself with compassion 100% of the time for 24 or 48 hours. The only way you speak to yourself is with encouragement, as if you were a friend, with support, with compassion. Whenever you find yourself criticizing or judging or bullying, you can just apologize to yourself and start again and just notice what comes up for you, what that's like. And alongside compassion, we want to embrace imperfection. So just consider what that might look like for you. Go small, try low risk options. So you could do things like stop ironing clothes or let the kids plan a whole weekend, right? They get to tell you how you're going to spend 24 hours. It's just really fun because they're going to be creative and they're not going to care about the rules. And that's why we want to use them to embrace imperfection. You could learn an instrument or a craft, start leaving dishes in the sink overnight, right? These are really low risk kind of options. Stop wearing makeup for a week. Just embracing imperfection. See what that might look like for you. Now, the purpose here is to demonstrate to yourself that you are okay, if you're not overworking, if you're not trying so damn hard to be perfect, that actually there is safety in the opposite of that. So experimenting with compassion and imperfection is the perfect way to start working with a really strong inner critic. Now, the second face of the protector and also in that over-functioning category is the martyr. 
Now, the martyr is all about everybody else's needs. Everyone else is way more important than us. So part of just beginning to interrupt that pattern is about experimenting with acknowledging your own emotions and prioritizing your own needs. The martyr is going to have really excellent, noble reasons why you can't possibly make time and space for yourself. And so if you have a really vociferous martyr, I would highly recommend just the first most doable step is to just notice for yourself where are the relationships or the moments in your day where you are most likely to sacrifice what you need for someone else. Because that's going to give you a really good steer about where there is a lot of risk for you. And you can decide, is that really where you want to start experimenting? Or do you want to do it in a place where the risk is just a little lower for you? So the first thing I would recommend is that you spend some time building up a kind of vocabulary for your emotions. So if you wear a watch or carry your phone with you, set an alarm for five times a day at random times. And when that alarm goes off, just take one moment to tune into yourself and ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? Just start to build that practice of acknowledging your own emotions. Another thing you could try is looking at deciding on a time that is yours, right? It might be 30 minutes first thing in the morning or Tuesday night online yoga. The experiment is to notice what comes up for you. I don't know what to do. I get distracted as soon as other people want something. I find that I can't actually concentrate. My mind is always on other people. That's natural, but it's about practicing Spending that time with yourself, having that time for yourself. Practice saying no to things you don't want to do, right? They can be really low risk things. But the idea is that you start being honest with yourself about what you're feeling and what you need. You could also use the approach that we discussed in episode 62 about your healthy adult self. Just practice that each day, talking to yourself, you know, what do you need right now? What are you feeling right now? And just listening for the answer. So you're starting to develop a relationship with your own emotions and your own needs. Again, it's all about taking low risk, easy, doable steps. So the scapegoat is all about telling us how helpless we are to change things. Everything's really bloody hard. And so the experiments are all about thinking around what we can do, keeping promises and taking responsibility. These are the key experiments to play with if you have a scapegoat protector. So the first thing I would do is just make a list of the things that you wish you could take responsibility for or the things that kind of feel dissatisfying or unfulfilling, the things you wish you weren't doing. So for example, if you're always late, decide that you're going to be five minutes early. You're going to be the sort of person that's always five minutes early and then take action to make sure this happens, right? You might want to put your clocks back five minutes or reorganize your calendar. Play with this. Let it be fun. 
Resistance is usually quite entrenched when the protector shows up as a scapegoat, so it can be quite helpful to anticipate setbacks. Maybe you want to think about what could go wrong or what choices you might have before you get overwhelmed. So the scapegoat is all about keeping promises and taking responsibility. That's how we interrupt that scapegoating pattern. Okay, the bystander. Another underfunctioning type alongside the scapegoat. And the bystander protector wants us to wait and tends to be quite future focused on a sort of fantasy future, right? So when all the stars align, then I'll be able to do this thing. So I highly recommend like just listening out for when then statements, right? When the stars are aligned, then I can do something. Just really be onto yourself when you are telling yourself those stories. And what I invite you to do is to think about something that you do want to do that feels compelling to you, may feel a little risky or have a little frisson attached to it. It may feel ass-clenchingly terrifying. That's okay. We want to break it down into some manageable steps. So think about the first part of any task, right? It might be that you want to show up on social media and be your authentic self, right? That's a kind of classic thing that a bystander would hold themselves back from. And it's the stories you might hear are things like, well, when I decide on the font and the color scheme and when I've got something to say, then I'll show up. So you want to break that down into some manageable steps. What's the first thing you could do that doesn't feel too risky or too full of confusion for you? Start really, really small. Now, what I would suggest is that you make a little plan to just do five things. So once a day for a week, you do a little experiment towards something that you want to start doing. Use your partner or find a friend or come over to Instagram and find the post for episode 64, this episode of Courage and Spice, and tell me what you want to do. I am so happy to be your accountability buddy here. And all you're doing is just making decisions and taking action, like really allowing yourself to experience what that is like. It is going to grow your self-trust. This is what this is all about. Now, because the bystander is often concerned with looking foolish, it can also help to experiment with something that is creative and has no kind of measurable outcome. Anything that's like fun, dancing, play, creative pursuits, anything where you're able to be in the moment can really, really help you. So have some fun with this bystander. You are not going to look foolish. And even if you do, what is that like for you? Maybe it's not as horrific as you imagine. So for all of these experiments, no matter where your protector shows up and the tactics that it starts to use, my top tips are always to start with really small actions that gently challenge this protector. Experiments should feel a little bit risky. And just be curious and interested in observing yourself as you try these new things. 
you should always expect resistance, right? There is likely to be quite a lot of inner drama that gets stirred up from the protector as it comes up with these seemingly very valid reasons why you cannot possibly do this experiment. And of course, most of the time, that is just going to not actually be true. And even if it is true, even if there is some risk there, again, it's likely to be something that is old, something that is either inherited or able to be managed because you are now your oldest, most wisest self. One further tip that I think is probably quite important is to notice how your protector shows up. Like get quite clear on what kind of protector you have. Now this is because if you use an experiment designed for the scapegoat, i.e. to start taking responsibility for things and keeping promises to yourself, but actually you have a critic Right? And the critic's always about doing things and doing them to an unrealistic level of perfection. You may unwittingly feed into that critic. Right, It's unlikely to change because the experiment is not requiring anything different from your protector. So this is why it's quite important to get clear for yourself on what kind of protector you actually have. And just one final point is to... Never forget that underneath all of this, you have this healthy self, this loving parental voice that is inside of you, that knows that you can speak to yourself always with compassion, that your imperfection is what makes you you, that your needs and your emotions are so worthy of your attention. And that you can keep promises and take responsibility for what you want in your life. That you can make decisions and take action. That this is all kind of up to you and everything is possible for you. So I hope this has been helpful. I think that working with this protector self, getting clear about the nuance of it, can so help in making sure that you are intersecting these patterns in meaningful ways that will actually start to break the hold that they have. So thank you so much for playing with me today and I will see you next time. if you're ready to explore more about your self-doubt I want to invite you to take the self-doubt archetypes quiz it's totally free and you'll uncover your particular flavor of self-doubt it turns out self-doubt is not this amorphous cloud of woe there are 12 different types of self-doubt and finding out yours is the first step to getting a handle on it just head over to www.sasspetherick.com backslash archetype for all the details.